0: Light has a way of changing things. Taking it from dark areas and bringing light that illuminates so many things. And all throughout the scriptures, we see over and over this imagery that your life as a follower of Jesus, my life as a follower of Jesus is meant to illuminate the people around us and the world around us and to have an impact. Uh, last week, we celebrated Easter. Many of you were here. We celebrated the fact that Jesus got up out of the grave, which is an amen any Sunday. It doesn't have to be just Easter Sunday. It's an amen. amen. There you go. Because it changed everything. It impacted all of history. And our faith is hinged to that one moment where Jesus did that. No other faith on the planet can, can go back to one particular moment, one particular event. And we have the, the privilege of that because of what Jesus did. And we looked at uh, Revelation 3.20 where it talked about Jesus knocking on the door of every human in life, saying, will you let me in? And for some of you, you may have prayed that prayer, you may have made a decision to say yes to Jesus last week, and maybe you didn't share it with, with us, but maybe it was just between you and Jesus, and you were like, I'm, I'm going all in, I'm saying yes, I've still got questions, I've still got doubts, but I'm saying yes, the best I know how in this moment, and if that's you, I want to celebrate you. Maybe many of you have said yes to Jesus for a while and you've been walking and kind of traveling and traversing life with him and living out your faith in this way and and that you deserve to be celebrated as well. But I want to encourage all of us who are walking in faith with Christ, listen, your faith is a personal faith, but it is never meant to stay just personal. I want you to hear me on this. Our our personal faith with our personal Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is never meant to just be personal between he and I or, or you and him alone. We're meant to go public with that. And so I'm just throwing out the challenge now that 40 minutes from now, we have an opportunity for some of you to maybe go public with your faith, to go public with your yes to Jesus. That we have baptism set up. Now listen, we don't have anyone scheduled, but we filled it. Just hoping and seeing. If there isn't any, we're going to water the grass. It's good. All wins. But I'm letting you know right now that there's an opportunity. We've got towels. We'll take care of everything. And if you want to say yes to Jesus and you have said yes and you've never gone public with that to to let everyone know. I kind of remind people baptism is kind of like a lot like my wedding ring. It's a public sign of a, a personal commitment I made. If I take my ring off, it doesn't make me unmarried. But this is a symbol of a decision I made, and that's much baptism is. It's, it's a symbol of a decision that you made. And so this week, we're kind of going off of Easter and realizing that the God of hope and all grace who got out of the grave, who made a way, who knocks on the heart of every human life to say, I want to have a personal relationship with you isn't content with us just having a personal relationship. In fact, really what begins in that moment is something very deep and personal, and that's true, but also meant to be something very public in going forward with that, that we're meant to have an irresistible kind of faith bubbling up and developing and nurturing within our our life with Jesus that begins to have an impact, that begins to shine a light, if you will, to the people around you in your office, at school, in your neighborhood, uh, the people that you connect with and the businesses that you go to and how you live your life. It's meant to begin to shine a light and that we are launched out. Dr. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, Christians become a light to the world to the degree that they stand out as different from the world. And that doesn't mean that Christians should never go see Avenger movies. That's not what it's saying. It's meaning you don't have to be different like, okay, I got to be weird and completely different. No, but this is meaning I'm operating off a different operating system, if you will, that I have Christ who's the guide and leader of my life and it therefore impacts the decisions and the choices and the way I live my life that is different. And so it is a challenge in that, in a culture that wants us to push and go and be a certain way and live a certain way. But that's what light does. Light is different than dark, isn't it? It just is. It can't help but be different. It can't help but have an influence upon the darkness around it and begin to change things because of what it is. It's light. This imagery, a lot, is taken from Matthew chapter 5. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go there. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, if you have uh, your phone, you can actually open it up and uh, let's see here. If you go to Sermon Notes underneath the app, you can follow along and all the stuff that's going on. And there's a couple links in here I want you to see tonight. Um, so if you just go to the app and open up Sermon Notes, it'll take you through all that stuff. But in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is teaching. He's gone through the whole Beatitudes of like, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is what it means to be my follower, the kind of person that I'm, I'm crafting you and changing and transforming you to be. And then he says something that has some imagery to it. And this is where we kind of get this idea that Christians are to be left to be salt, he says. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? If it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled. You are the light of the world, he says. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, what do they do? They put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way, Jesus says. Jesus says. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify who? And glorify your Father in heaven. Meaning, another small reminder that it's not all about you. Okay, Jesus, it's not all about me. My world tells me it's all about me. It should all be about me. No, no, it's not all about you. You do your good works so that people recognize there's something different about you and their attention goes not just focused on you, but their attention is actually drawn to their creator. That your life begins to have an impact. Jesus uses two remarkable metaphors. This idea of salt, we don't understand. How many of you like salt on your food? That should be amen worthy, that's really good, okay? So like salt on your food makes it better, it gives it flavor, right? Do you know you are the flavor of the world? Come on. That's good. You're the flavor of the world, Jesus says. You're meant to flavor the world around you. Salt in a poor society back then was a disinfectant, and antiseptic. You would rub it into meat and to prevent the meat from going bad. It was the poor man's refrigerant before Maytag came along. It's how they preserved something. Christians are meant to be pushed into the world to preserve and to push back decay. Do you think our world needs more of that? I sure do. He says you're the light of the world. You let your light shine before others that they may see your good works. You're to do good works of justice and of mercy and of compassion and of peacemaking and reconciliation. All the things he just talked about in the whole Beatitudes list he gives right before this discussion that he's having with his disciples. You are to do good works. The men and women will be attracted to your Father in heaven as they see your life shine in a way that puts my kind of love and my kind of hope on display. Do you think our world might need a little bit more of that? Yeah. I don't think there's anyone in here who would say, no, I think we're filled up with that, we're good. No, we need more of that. This entire series, what we're going to unpack the next three weeks is kind of this idea of what would it look like if Christians became the best advertisement for Jesus? What? Because that's really not our rep. But maybe it should be. Maybe it was supposed to be. Maybe it can be. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth you're to have an impact, you're to bring flavor, you're to shine in a way, you're to do good works, that the attention of people begins to drift toward your Father in heaven. That's pretty amazing vision and mission that Jesus gives us. 2 Corinthians 2.15 says this, our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. That your life creates an aroma you know what you don't want to be? Bo. You don't want that aroma. You want a pleasant aroma. You want a life-giving kind of aroma coming from your life. What if Christians actually became the best advertisement for Jesus? I think it's possible, friends. It doesn't mean it's perfect. I'll be the first to admit I'm not. But what if it could be a little bit more this year than it was the year before? What if my life could be a little more flavor into the world around me, a little bit more light into the world around me this year than it was five years ago? What if I'm meant to be on this progress and and this transformational journey with Jesus where He's changing me? What if the church was a gathering of people who were committed to that? Not just a group of people who showed up at a certain time at a certain address and hung out together. What if they were a group of people who said, I want my life to be a fragrance, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. I want my life to make a difference, to flavor the world around me, to shine in a way that people's attention might drift toward my, my Father in heaven. What if a group of Christians gathered around and said, let's be about that. So what is an irresistible faith? How do you go about getting it? Well, we're gonna look the next three weeks at three different things. One is about abiding. It's about abiding in an irresistible Christ to hang out with Jesus himself, to understand what that's like to actually live your life with Jesus. And as you do that, it begins to transform. Your aroma of your life begins to resemble a little bit more and more like him. It's about belonging. It's about belonging to an irresistible community, a community of people who are not perfect, but a group of people who are loving and a group of people who are forgiving and a group of people who are championing one another and and praying for one another and a group of people who are trying to figure it out and when they fall, they get back up and help the one next to them up and they keep moving forward. It's about becoming. It's about becoming an irresistible kind of Christian, one who is different, who is different than maybe the world around them, not in a weird way, but in a way that catches people's attention, in a way that says, what's going on with them? I wish I had a little bit more something like that. That's what it means to bring flavor, to bring light. That's what it means to be who Jesus is calling us to be, to resemble that, reflect that. We are a rescued people and we are meant to go rescue people. See, the gospel, the reason we celebrate Easter, the reason you can get hyped about Easter is because Jesus got up out of the grave to have a personal relationship with you. Do you realize the church is the only organization that exists for the people who are not here yet? I love you all. I would do almost anything for you. But our challenge as a church is it's not about you, friend. And it's not about me. It's about the people who aren't here yet. It's about the people who Jesus said, I've come and I'm knocking on the door of their life and I want to have a place that when they say yes, I have a place, a home to hand them off to while I go searching for more. We need to be that kind of spiritual home for people. The doors of the church are never closed for just the people inside. The moment we get to that, we are no longer the church. We're a gathering of people who hang out at the same time, at the same place. But we have lost the heart of Jesus. My hunch is, you don't want to lose the heart of Jesus. Neither do I. It's easy to drift to want to make it about us. But friends, the church's mission, elements and every church that exists that's following Jesus and living, trying to live out the scriptures, it's about the people who are not here yet. It's about your coworker. It's about your friend at school. It's about your neighbor. It's about the person on your soccer team. It's about the people who don't know Jesus yet. And we want to help them become in contact with that. Now, for a lot of time, history, that's been called evangelism. Have you heard that word? Evangelism. So, basically, that's just trying to evangelize other people. Now, that is a strange word. In fact, it's kind of almost become a taboo word in our culture because this is the culture of tolerance. This is the culture of, hey, what's right for you doesn't have to be right for me. And so I don't want to force you or push something on you and, and I don't want you to be offended and I don't want you to have to think or make tough decisions or, or challenge with challenging questions and so we have a tendency to kind of shrink back when it comes to evangelism. Uh, It's fascinating, the research, and this is what I want you to see. Uh, David Kinnaman is the head researcher for Barna Research. If you have ever heard Barna, Barna does a lot of Christian research over the last probably 40 years. They're probably the predominant research firm. And in there, he uh, did a talk recently at an Alpha conference um, where he shared about this latest research about evangelism. I just want to share a few statistics with you because it's, it's fascinating. Uh, He begins to discuss this reality that that there are a lot of misconceptions going on in our world. Can we just say yes to that? There are misconceptions. There are misconceptions about the church. The church also has misconceptions about the world. It's kind of like do you remember Toy Story? great movie, right? Toy Story, remember when uh, Buzz lands in uh, Andy's room, he still thinks he's an actual spaceman, and he's walking around, and he's kind of like, I'm trying to laser everybody, but he's just, you know, it's a dot and a light, and, and it's making weird sound, and then Woody walks up, and he kind of pushes his helmet, and the helmet flips up, and Buzz is like, oh, 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 thinking he can't breathe, right? And then suddenly realizes that on this foreign planet called Andy's room, There's actually oxygen and maybe the misconception he was going off of is different. He still doesn't realize he's just a toy yet. Sorry to ruin the movie, Uh, but it's been out for a decade so you should have seen it. Um, But there's misconceptions of what's going on and I think that's a great imagery for the church and the world today. I think the the world, we'll just kind of label the world which is outside of the church has some misconceptions about the church. And friends, I I believe people in the church have some misconceptions about the world as well. And maybe there's not as much animosity as people think there is or make up that there is. And if we could just figure out a way to have dialogue, maybe conversation would lead to a place where you can actually be salt and light instead of building a castle and pulling up the drawbridge and saying, to heck with you. Maybe the church is never meant to be that. And if the church ever gets to that, then it's extremely unhealthy. It's not fulfilling the mission, Jesus said. Jesus said, you are to go and make disciples. You're to be my disciple And as you are following me as a disciple as an apprentice of Jesus, that's what it is. I'm apprenticing my life after him, trying to become more and more like him. And as I go, I'm bringing other people along in that journey. And when it's right, and he's knocking on the door of their life, and they say yes, then they are enfolded into that same process. And yeah, I may be a little bit down the road from that, but I never lose sight that we're all in the same process. We're all just trying to apprentice after Jesus. Uh, David Kinnaman does some research with that. He talks about this statistic. 60% of Americans surveyed, just Americans, not Christian Americans, just Americans, said it is extreme to try and convert someone to faith, to your faith. Uh, You can talk about your faith, but to try and convert someone is extreme behavior and should be avoided. See, what's sad is, is... often faith conversations now are becoming labeled extreme when in reality it's some of the best conversations that need to be had. And it's because some of the misconceptions, some maybe rightfully so, uh, people have done some really bad things in the name of God. And, And maybe There's just some misconception. Maybe the helmet needs to be flipped up a little bit on both sides, and people realize that there's conversation and room for that. This was fascinating to me. 47% of practicing Christian millennials believe it is wrong to evangelize to someone with the hopes that they would one day convert. Yet, 94% will say that the best thing that can ever happen to someone is for them to say yes to Jesus. What a fascinating paradox. How can that be both? This extreme, ah, no, no, you can't do it. To Man, the best thing you could do is say yes to Jesus. This is Christian, practicing Christian millennials. Can you feel the tension? That's our world, full of tension around spiritual things and yet a deep, deep hunger and search for them. I don't have all the answers, but here's what I do know. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Whether we have a greater challenge today to do it or not, it doesn't get us out of the command to do it. It just means maybe the challenges are a little different and a little more challenging. This was a fascinating answer. Uh, They asked the question uh, to people who are not Christians. So people who are not believers or followers of Jesus, they were asked, um, if people could have spiritual conversations with you, what would you want to hear from them? What, how would you like that to go? And the top four ways were this: 62 percent said they would listen without judgment. That should be sending bells off in the church and our culture. People want to be listened to, not yelled at, not talked to, but talked with. I would love for someone to listen to me without judgment. I would love 60% says, uh, or 50%, don't force a conclusion. Let me wrestle on my own with the conversations that we're having. 43% says, allow others to draw their own conclusions. And another said, be confident in sharing from your perspective. Meaning, know your faith. You don't have to know all the answers, but be confident in what you know and just present it and let me wrestle with it and don't force me to make a decision in that five minutes and listen to me. And then they ask the question, do you have any Christian friends that you know that are like that? 34% said they did, which means 66% said they didn't. I think that might be the greatest challenge for us, friends. Can we become salt and light, like Jesus is saying, where we could have conversations with people and not judge, and where we can actually have conversations and and present Jesus in a way where they have to wrestle with life questions but we're not trying to get them to make a decision. We're not selling a used car and trying to get them to sign something in the next half an hour. We're just trying to be a person who creates space and who's safe in a way that these spiritual conversations can happen and can go on. Timothy Keller writes about evangelism today. He says, doing evangelism today uh, may take more patience, encourage, thoughtfulness that was needed even a generation ago. The shifting public ideas about faith and Christianity as a whole have made talking about faith more complicated. The misdeeds of the church, leaders, and high-profile Christians make it more difficult to talk about Christianity in many circles. But despite cultural trends and challenges, Jesus' call to, be, to tell others about the good news remains unchanged. Training could be helpful, but ultimately evangelism comes down to this. It's about being bold enough to have spiritual conversations and sensitive enough in those interactions with others. It's about being bold enough to say, hey, I'm I'm salt and light, that's what Jesus said I am. And so I I need to be able to have conversations, but I wanna be sensitive in how I go about those conversations. I think Peter talked about this a couple thousand years ago when he wrote this. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. I don't know if the church would be described as gentle and respectful today, but maybe it's supposed to be. So what if Christians begin to model this and begin to wrestle with how do we live this out And what if the way we begin to live this out begin to change things so that we actually became the best advertisement for Jesus because of how we lived as salt and light. The love of Christ compels me, Paul writes about, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are compelled to share the good news for all because God's love is for all. He isn't selective, nor should I be. The gospel is for everyone. It's compelled is this idea of language in the Greek language of uh, to take someone by the shoulders and to not give them an option to the left or to the right but to lead them in one particular way. That's what Paul's saying. I am compelled to share the good news. That life with God is available through faith in Jesus and he saved me and he offers the opportunity for you to be saved as well because he knocks on every human life and all are welcomed into his presence and all are sought by his presence and his pursuit. That's what the church needs to champion. Being public about your faith, Timothy Keller writes this, simply means not hiding the wellspring of your life, not hiding who you truly are. Jesus said, you're to go and be my witnesses. His last command is to remain our first priority as a follower of Jesus. And so the challenge is real simple tonight. Tonight is just kind of setting up the rest of the the weeks we're gonna be in this series. What does it mean to become an irresistible Christian? What does it mean to live out an irresistible faith? Well, I think it begins with realizing, man, God knocked on the door of my life. And I said yes to Jesus. And I don't want my personal faith to stay personal. I want it to be public, and, which means I'm not gonna hide who I am. I'm gonna actually talk about the wellspring of my life, this life-giving relationship I have found with Jesus. It's just gonna become a part of who I am. And it doesn't mean I stand on the lunch table in the middle of the school lunch with a bullhorn yelling, Jesus loves you and, and you're a sinner, you need to burn, and all this stuff. no, no, no. You don't need a bullhorn. You don't need to yell. But with gentleness and respect, talk about the hope that you have. Something Peter said two thousand years ago. Something Barna research a couple months ago is reiterating and saying the world in which you live, where I live, non-Christians are saying, "I, I wish people would have." spiritual conversations with me because I am hungry for it. I don't want to be judged right in that moment. I don't want to be forced to make a decision. I just want to wrestle with this and I want to wrestle with it with people who respect me and who are for me. And what if the church actually just did that? It may just change things. So I guess the question I have for you is, are you up for that? You don't have to raise hands, you don't have to yell out. I just, I'm asking you, are you up for that? For some of you, the idea of talking about your faith is the scariest thing in the world. Get over it. You talk about the ones you love, right? You're quick to pull out pictures and show pictures of your kids, of your spouse, of your girlfriend, your boyfriend, you're quick to point out your family of who you love, right? Jesus is the same. If you're not trying to force someone to make a decision in that moment, what are you doing? You're just sharing about the person you love and who loves you. Don't be weird, just be normal. Talk about the one you love. Talk about how he's changing your life. Talk about your struggles, too. How he helps you through that. How he's brought people around you, this this group, this community you belong to, it's changing you. Not because they're awesome, we're not. We're just trying to be normal. We're just trying to be real. And we're trying to live out a life of following after Jesus as a disciple, an apprentice of him. And as we go, we just bear witness. Here's what's happening. And, and I know you've talked about trying to search for stuff and, and I know you know we've talked about this in a, in a work trip and you talked about how you just tried to fill your life with so many different things. And I'm just telling you, I found something that actually began to fill my life with purpose and meaning, and significance and hope and if you ever wanna hear about it, I'd love to tell you about them. It's not a plan, it's not a diet. It's a person. And so maybe that becomes some of the triggers. Are you up for it, friends? Because I believe that's the journey the church, not just elements, but the church needs to take in our generation. The church is about people who are not here yet. That's our mission. Sure, we get a benefit of traveling and getting to do it together, and that's a great thing, and I hope we have a blast doing it. We're getting ready to have a blast and hang out together. But it is not about you, and it is not about me. It's about the mission that Jesus has for us. You're to go and make disciples. And so I just want to pray to that end. I'm going to invite you to the communion table here in a moment, and we're going to close with a song, and then we're going to go out, and we're going to have a great time. Okay? But I think this challenge for the month of uh, going into May here is just, are you up for, God, help me become a person that lives out in an irresistible faith. I'm not even sure what all that means yet. I think it's going to mean different things for each one of us. But are you up for it? Are you willing to say yes to that? So, God, we know that as Jesus walked this planet, there was something so attractive about the way he treated people, the way he saw people, the way he interacted with people, that people who were nothing like him, liked him. They were drawn to him. Father, may that become the reputation of your church again. That maybe people who are nothing like a disciple of Christ actually really like the disciples of Christ. That there's something about them, this irresistible pull of their faith that begins to get them searching, asking, observing, thinking. All the while, your Holy Spirit is doing the work of drawing them. So this isn't about a plan, God. This is about the person of Jesus, your son. We want to abide with him. We want to belong to a community centered on him. And we want to become the kind of Christians that are the best advertisement for him. And how we live on Monday and Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday nights. So if you're up for it, just whisper that to him. Jesus, I'm up for that. I don't even know what all that means yet. But I'm up for it. I'm willing. Fathers, we take communion here in a moment as we close in a song. Would you stir our hearts to own this faith journey and to lean in to say yes? Jesus, thank you for your life, your death, your resurrection that empowers us that we might live as salt and light in a world that desperately needs more of that. May it be said of our lives that we became more like that. You're saying yes to Jesus, and that's really what baptism is about remembering the life the death of jesus but more importantly his resurrection al is going to be raised to live a new life in him and he's just going public with that faith in jesus and so al have you asked jesus christ to be your lord and savior amen well it is our pleasure all three of us get to baptize you in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit so gather in let's cheer